you found it. A Scoop of Life is a podcast produced by Square One World Media and features Cheryl Coop as host and storyteller. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Cheryl Coop, and I am thankful that you have taken time to listen. This is the second year of my weekly podcast, and each episode is a mix of one of my personal stories, music from a variety of Canadian artists, and concludes with a brief spiritual insight. I hope that as you listen, you not only enjoy the episode, but sense God's deep love for you and how your story can intersect with his. The title of this episode is, Can You Say Outnumbered? Sometimes I think I am invincible. Is anyone else like me? After several years of going into the community and meeting teens where they were at, we decided as an organization to open a drop-in centre, where the teens could come, hang out, play pool, video games, or floor hockey, listen to music, do their homework, and overall just have a safe place to be. The larger community was very supportive of this idea, and so we were given an old fire hall by the city for a small purchase price, which we then renovated into office space, a climbing wall, a workout gym, as well as a drop-in for the community. It was very exciting to see the transformation of the fire hall take shape and to know that it would be a safe place for teens. Shortly into our first months of opening the drop-in centre, we noticed that there were some teens in the community very willing to identify themselves as gang members, and unfortunately they all were not in the same gang. As a result, we mandated that entrance to the drop-in was only allowed if no gang colours or tags were worn and we had a strict no-violence policy put in place with strong reminders of what would happen should the teens violate these policies. Every night that the drop-in was open, at least two of us on staff together with three to five volunteers would run the centre and have so many teens show up that we had to have a wait list once capacity was reached, and then once some left, those on the wait list would be allowed in. The system worked well, and we felt like we were meeting the needs of the teens in the community in a way that had never been done before in that area of the inner city. However, that all changed one evening, when my co-worker and I came early to the drop-in to prepare for our evening shift. Upon arriving at the drop-in, I noticed that there was quite a large number of teens gathering in the back lane behind the centre, and when I turned the corner to see the front street, noticed that there was another large number of teens gathering there. My stomach began to turn as I realized that the group's gathering were from different gangs and seemed extremely agitated. Soon after my arrival, my co-worker arrived and she too sensed that something ominous might be brewing as more and more teens arrived. We let ourselves into the drop-in, talked about our next move, prayed together, and then decided that the two of us would divide and conquer, with one of us approaching the group on the front street and the other approaching the group on the back lane. If you know me, you would know that I sometimes have a much greater sense of self and what I can accomplish than what is realistic. I stand at barely 5 feet 5 inches, and had some muscle on me at the time, but certainly not any grand stature. 
My coworker barely cut the five-foot mark and certainly was not someone that you might fear in a back alley fight. However, she and I felt very confident that we could handle this, and so off we went to our respective gang groups. Upon approaching my group, I realized it had grown significantly since my arrival and that there were many in the group I did not recognize. I called on those that I knew and asked what they planned to do as things looked a bit grim to me. The teens I knew let me know that they were there to declare the drop in their territory and were going to defend it any way they could. Showing me their chaco sticks, Chinese fighting stars, and brass knuckles, together with some crowbars that they had brought to show they meant business. Inwardly, I became terrified at the possibility of the violence that might erupt, but outwardly tried to keep as calm of a face as possible while I cried out to God for help, and continued my conversation of trying to talk down the gang leaders. Needless to say, they could not be talked down and moved closer and closer to the parking lot of the drop-in centre, where I saw that my co-worker also had not been very successful in calling her gang group down, and they too were encroaching upon the parking lot. By now, the combined group numbers were close to 150 teens, and my co-worker and I looked at each other with dismay that perhaps we were in over our heads and things were going to get ugly really, really quickly. Suddenly, I saw one of our volunteers arrive, and he not only stood well above six feet, but had the demeanor of a strong, quiet man that would be helpful in us trying to talk the gangs down. He quickly joined my co-worker and I to try to keep the two groups apart and not attacking one another. So far, so good. We were able to maintain calm, but then I heard the screeching of tires and heard lots of voices. And as I turned around to see where the noise was coming from, I saw that the media had arrived. This was not what we needed. For now, the teens would have an audience, and that might be enough to break the fragile calm we were presently in. I told the volunteer and my co-worker that while they would work on keeping the peace, I would go and try to get the media to leave. That became quite the monumental task for me, as three different media outlets were now in front of the drop-in, trying hard to get as much coverage as possible. However, after a lengthy conversation that involved me shouting at the top of my lungs for them to leave our private property and informing them of how volatile the situation was, thankfully they left. I joined my coworker and volunteer in trying to keep the tenuous peace going, and we felt we were succeeding until one teen took out a crowbar and started to move towards an opposing gang member with it. The first swing didn't hit anyone, but caused each side to let their anger get the best of them, and we had an escalating brawl on our hands. The volunteer moved into what seemed the most serious of confrontations, only to be hit by a crowbar which sent him motionless to the ground. This combined with the roar of police sirens caused the gangs to disperse quickly, and teens began running in all directions with police cars appearing everywhere and police disembarking and running after them. Thankfully, some teens stayed behind to look after the volunteer, as he was in need of emergency medical attention, and they truly cared for him. I worked with the police, helping them in any way I could to get the situation under control, and my co-worker called the ambulance to come and attend to our volunteer. When the night of chaos and violence finally came to an end, and peace reigned once more, my co-worker and I not only thanked God for being with us, 
and the situation not escalating beyond what it had. But we also looked at one another and said in unison, who did we think we were that we walked into this situation thinking we could handle it on our own? Then we found ourselves laughing and crying so hard that we began to snort. As the realization of all that had just transpired to sink in, of how two short, naive women thought that they could take on two groups of gang members looking for violence, but did it also believing that God was with them and for them. The song You Reign by Julie Fair Iverson seems fitting for this episode as it speaks about how great God is. Julie is a singer, songwriter, the mom of two children, and lives with her husband in southern Manitoba, Canada.
How do you tell people around the world about Jesus? A missionary traveled to a remote area in Paraguay only to find that the people had already heard all about Jesus on the radio. They were eager to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Media reaches every corner of the globe. Why not use it to spread the message of hope through Jesus Christ? To help us spread the gospel, visit squareoneworldmedia.com. Often, when my coworker and I have reviewed our actions that night, we realize there were many, many things we did not do well. We also realize that in our naivete, we thought our relationships with some gang members would give us the upper hand in a gangbang or brawl, which obviously was not the case. However, we also realized that God did come in and protect us for the situation had the potential to be far worse than it was. Not only did we express our gratitude to God that night, but have often expressed it since then for protecting us and bringing our volunteer back to full health after he suffered some damage to his kidney. As short, naive women, we were up against the giants of the gang. Much like the story of David, the boy who went up against Goliath, a giant. This story is found in the Bible in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17, and I would like to read some of it to you. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Epaphathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Adinadab, and Shimea, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army. But David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Oh, don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. 
Goliath walked out toward David with his shield-bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. "'Am I a dog?' he roared at David. "'That you come at me with a stick?' And he cursed David by the names of his gods. "'Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals,' Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, "'You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, "'but I come to you in the name of the Lord of Heaven's armies, "'the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. "'Today the Lord will conquer you, "'and I will kill you and cut off your head.' And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Thankfully, God did not only show up for David when he faced Goliath, but he also showed up for two naive women who thought they could handle gangs who were out to injure, if not kill one another. May you and I lean on God and call out to him to show up in the situations where we are facing giants. Thank you for listening, and I hope you come back each week to hear another episode. To keep in touch, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and the website www.ascoopoflife.com, which is spelled A-S-K-O-O-P-O-F-L-I-F-E. Not with a C like in a scoop of ice cream, but with a K as in my nickname, Scoop. I would love to hear from you. Your thoughts on the podcast, any questions you may have, or things you would like me to pray about for you.